Welcome to Telltale, the podcast where marketers can learn from interviews with fantastic storytellers. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 16 of the Telltale Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Sanders, and with me every week is Brittany Dreghorn. Good afternoon, Britt. How are you going? Great, Kurt. How are you? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Thank you. Um, today we have with us Victoria Harrison, the co-founder and managing director of The Exposure Co., which is Australia's first and largest full-service digital influencer marketing, marketing agency based right here in Brisbane. Victoria, welcome to Telltale. Welcome. Thank you, guys, for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Now, um, Exposure Co., Influencer Marketing, all these things, all the things that people want to do now and know they need to be in it, that's like the number one sentence, we know we need to do it. Is that true? Do they need to do it? Yes. I think that Influencer Marketing is a really important thing for brands. I guess the thing is doing influencer marketing correctly sure, um, and making sure that your campaigns are you know, actually going to work and not just doing it because everyone else says for you to do it. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, let's look, let's start from right from the beginning. Um, Exposure Co., it, business is obviously going really well. Um, tell us how it came about. Where did it all begin? Yeah, so I guess the idea for the Exposure Co. Um, came about in about 2014. Myself um, and my business partner were working in a digital marketing agency. Um, I was head of the content team, Tara was head of the social media team, and I guess we just sort of um, started seeing this trend for clients talking about influencer marketing. And we were often working with a lot of, a lot of bloggers at the time, writing blog posts, um, and yeah, we sort of just saw that there was a gap in the market for actual influencer marketing agencies. So I guess um, Friday afternoons, weekends, evenings, uh, we started working on the Exposure Co. So basically it was a matter of building up our database of influencers. Um, so that took a good sort of six months of persuading these influencers to get on board. Um, because one, it was new for the influencers at that time, and two, they'd never heard of the Exposure Co., so why should they trust us? Can I just ask, I'll stop there and say, when you say getting influencers on board, yeah. what, what does that actually mean? Like, what's that process, and what are, are they exclusively yours, or how does that work? Yeah, so they're not exclusively signed um, with us as a traditional talent agency. So basically our influencers um, are free to work with other brands and other agencies as they wish. Um, but basically when I say get influencers on board, it was basically just touching base with them, getting their contact details, getting their rates and their stats and making sure that they were willing to work with um, brands that we were working with. Because, I mean, there are people on social media who have large followings that, you know, aren't open to branded work or they're already exclusively signed. So, yeah, it was just sort of building up that network slowly. And then it was uh, mid-2015, we um, took the leap of faith and started full-time. Uh, when we started full-time, we didn't have any clients, so the first couple of months were... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a massive exhale for those of you at home and a, and a slight breaking of souls maybe. It was, yeah. it was tough. It yeah. was really tough. Fortunately, I guess as you are at the start of any small business and startup, you're 
very excited and motivated. So it's, it was good to have that motivation and drive behind us. Um, but yeah, and I guess just things slowly grew from there. Sure. Victoria, the Exposure Co, uh, as we said, is was one of the first, but is also now the largest uh, influencer agency in Australia. I think a lot of that would have been around timing as the shift from traditional influencer marketing moved to digital. Yes. Can you talk a bit about how influencer marketing has changed from the traditional version to digital? And is that a bigger opportunity now yeah. um, for brands? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess influencer marketing has always been around. Um, you know, with brand ambassadorships, it's not that influencer marketing is is a new way to market. It's more so that there are new avenues that we can utilize influencers on. So mainly social media. So I guess um, when we did start um, a couple of years ago, um, influencers on social media, it was still quite a new space. Um, so there was a lot of client education that needed to go into the process of onboarding clients. Um, so I guess how things have changed is that um, influencer marketing, digital influencer marketing has just grown. We, we see more influencers, we see more brands um, utilizing these influencers, and then we see more successes and we also see more failures um, through influencer marketing. So yeah, and I don't think we've seen uh, the biggest of it yet. I think it's just going to keep growing over the next few years. Maybe we'll see shifts in sort of where the influencers are based, which channels work better. Um, but yeah, I think influencer marketing is always going to be around and it always has been around. It's just a matter of where it is going next. Yeah, so yeah. that opportunity is that there is so much, so many more influencers and they are really accessible to brands. Yeah. They're kind of like in the cost range that they might be able yeah. to afford because they have these smaller audiences, right? That's it. And I mean, even if you're a small local brand, there are so many local influencers that you can engage for, you know, a smaller rate. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you do want to go top tier, then you can do that as well. So, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's probably changed a bit, whereas um, influencer marketing traditionally was probably a big awareness piece because it was mm -hmm. quite untargeted, whereas now with those smaller niche audiences, yep. I assume, you can really like change the objective of what you're doing yeah. and try to see some actual results. That's you it. said there uh, for a minute how it's helping them to do really great things, mm -hmm. but also it can be damaging for a brand. We want to know about this so yeah. that uh, our listeners can take away what not to do. Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, influencer marketing is such a buzzword at the moment. So people get so excited about it and they just want to do it. They just want to try it. Um, and I think, and like you said, the influencers are so easy to get in touch with. You know, you can email them, you can direct message them. And I think um, the thing is, there's no, with with the brands that aren't succeeding with their campaigns, it's just because that there's no strategy behind it. So um, either they're engaging the wrong influencers or they're using the wrong uh, social media channel or they're just using the wrong strategy. So I guess those three, um, your channel, your influencer and your strategy all really need to tie in um, really closely um, and screw up one of those three and your campaign's probably going to be a flop. So, I mean, just because uh, one brand has engaged an influencer that's, you know, made that brand sell out within 
hours of the influencer post going live doesn't necessarily mean that for your brand that's going to be the case so basically figuring out what you want your campaign to achieve do you want to drive sales do you want to drive awareness um, what do you want it to do and then basically from there figuring out what influencer would best um, suit that goal and then from there figuring out okay which channel should I be on as well so yeah, sure so I, I love the idea of talking about all those three different things because yes. I don't think those would be in the front of mind for no. most of those clients that come to you I think they'd just be like oh, the influencer yeah and also like the, shaking the mindset that it's not just a channel like yeah. it's not just a thing where you can pay to have access to someone's audience yeah. Along with that comes a certain respect for those audiences. Mm -hmm. I've seen firsthand where a terrible, terrible marketer paid an influencer a lot of money where the influencer couldn't say no and it, it decimated that influencer's it. audience. Like yeah. it, it ruined them, not not just the brand, but yeah. it actually hurt the influencer as well. So it's it is such a you know, a, a pretty strong balance that you have to have to hit. My question is when a brand first comes to you, mm. what's the starting point? Where, where, what are the questions you ask? What are the questions they ask? Well, often we'll ask them if they've engaged in influencer marketing before and figure out if they've had a good or bad experience. Um, but then I guess the next step is figuring out, like I mentioned before, what do they actually want to achieve from this campaign? Do they want people coming into their local restaurant? Do they want people to subscribe to their email newsletter? Do they want people to buy stuff on their online shop? Um, do they want people to buy tickets to attend an, an event? Do they just want their name known? Do they just want their name known? Sure. Um, so there's so many different things um, that you can achieve with influencer marketing, um, but you've really got to set out and figure out what you want to achieve before then figuring out the strategy around that. Sure, and do you get a lot of clients coming to you saying, I've seen this account, they've got a million followers, mm. I wanna be there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, account growth, yeah, definitely. Sure. And that is, again, another goal. Perhaps they don't really care about sales, but they just wanna get lots of followers. Of their own. Of their own. Right, right. So. I, I was sort of more talking along the lines of where clients come to you and they've they've picked this influencer oh, or something yeah. where they go, you know, that's the, that's the money there. Yeah. Do you, like, because obviously, you know, those huge accounts aren't for every brand. No. Like sometimes you no. spread it across micro-influencers yeah. and it's got far more reach, far more engagement. Yes. So I guess how do you talk clients around from that um, kind of mindset? Well, I mean, Intimate influencers, we call them, okay. so they're our small influencers, are really beneficial um, in saying that top tier influencers can be beneficial for brands as well. But, um, it, yeah, like you said, it's not all just about reach and follower numbers. So I guess what we need to figure out for the brands is who they actually want to target and if those people are actually following that influencer. So I guess the problem with a lot of the top tier influencers is that, you know, stereotypically, a lot of them are beautiful bikini models um, and um, they're often promoting things like makeup, beauty products, bikinis, um, a lot of, you know, uh, female products, but <laughs> sometimes up to you know 85% of the, their followers are actually males who don't actually care at all about 
the brand of bikini the girl's wearing or the brand of makeup she's wearing. So I guess you just need to delve one step deeper and we just explain that to to the clients that you know we have to look at who's actually following these influences and are those people actually going to go out and buy your product mm, interesting kurt and i are also bikini influencers oh, i knew it I <laughs> yeah knew seen you, you just guys. look straight up yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, except yeah. i'm in negative numbers somehow i'm at <laughs> negative, negative, four, negative 400 it's followers. those guys they're not following you <laughs> Um, Victoria, you're talking about uh, some of the campaigns that you've paired up and it's been great. Mm. Can you tell us about that, like recipe for success? You've named those three things. Mm. Could you tell us about um, a few examples that have done really well and what you think the, the key factor was there? And yeah. then also one that's probably hasn't done well or one you've seen that hasn't done well and why, Definitely. why it didn't go well? Um, so the one that I love is um, there's a face mask. Um, and this is actually an example they engaged a top tier influencer so um, just to show that it sometimes can work if you engage the right person um, they engaged an influencer on the Gold Coast and basically um, the influencer she has over I think she has over 900,000 followers and close to that on her snapchat so they just engaged her on snapchat and she was at her friend's house having dinner and a bit of a girls night um, the girls all put the face mask on sort of no mention of look this is the brand but you know they were all there having fun with this face mask um, and I think she probably did about you know 10 to 20 snaps in her story of them having fun and then it wasn't until um, you know, the next day, I think she said, oh, I've had so many people asking me about, um, you know, what brand we're using. Here's the brand. Here's a discount code. So it was a really organic way to show this brand. All along, I knew it was a sponsored post and, it, and you know, the brand obviously had organized that all with the influencer. But I guess it was just it was just perfect in terms of engaging the right influencer. She has, you know, predominantly female following and did it in a really organic, natural way and it wasn't plastered with a, this is a sponsored post, you know, you have to buy it. Um, so yeah, I liked the sort of raw aspect of that. I found... Can I just stop you there? Yeah. Because we did a blog on influence marketing recently with a few people who are uh, in the field and one of the things they said is that uh, not to be scared of covering up that it's yep. sponsored and mm -hmm. so I guess just in this scenario it yep. sounds like it's worked out great mm -hmm. but is that undermining your fans? No <laughs> definitely yeah no you definitely have to say this is a sponsored post um, and I guess by putting the voucher code there I mean she's pretty much yeah, saying yeah. I've exactly. hooked up with this brand mm. but I think yeah definitely don't be afraid of the sponsored post thing the hashtag sponsored hashtag ad because if you've engaged the right influencer, they're only going to say yes if they truly believe that this brand is a good fit for their followers. Um, sure, there are influencers out there who will just say yes to branded offers because they want the money. But if you have actually gone the distance to figure out that this is the right influencer and yes, they are a good fit, then they shouldn't worry about it being a sponsored post and their followers won't actually care either. Yeah, sure. Um, Can I ask, going further into that yeah. theme, um, do you, when you pair up 
influencers with these brands, is there differing levels of content control over what they post? Like, is, is yeah. you know, I would always lean towards saying, well, these guys knew how to build their audience. They know what content resonates. Let them do their yeah. thing with it. Or do you find brands kind of wrestling it and trying to use it as a channel? Yeah, some of them do um, sort of, yeah, try and manipulate the posts. Um, we don't really let them do that. Um, so they're obviously allowed a hashtag and then we have to have the mandatory sponsored or hashtag ad. Um, and then often we will give them sort of um, a mood board, the influencers. So the client will come to us with a couple of photos that they've liked or perhaps if we're engaging influencers for videos, um, some videos of sort of around the themes that they like. But in terms of writing captions or scripts, it's no-go zone because, I mean, yeah, the influencers are the ones that do do things best. They create the content the best. So, and their followers respond to that. So... I love that that's the, that's the attitude. I think yeah. that's spot on. Yeah, like, yeah. there'd be so many brands that would just be trying to wrestle control. Yeah. And, and that's a bad thing. That's, that's such an old mindset. So... Mm -hmm. The that, irony of that is if they did manage to do that, then the influencer loses the engagement with their exactly. audience and they don't get anything yeah. out of it anyway. I mean, you can definitely do that and there are influencers out there who will say yes, but... I always think the influencers that are worth engaging are the ones that you sort of have to fight for a bit and say, um, you know, really sell the client's product to them and treat them as a customer, not someone who's just keen to earn some money. Yeah. If you had one tip for a small business owner engaging in influencer marketing themselves rather than going to an agency, yeah. what would that be? Oh, one tip. <laughs> one red hot tip. One red hot tip. Make it, make it two if you have to. Um, you get the strategy right, get the channel right, and get the influencer right. Back to those three cool yeah. things. Yeah. And I guess... Whether there's money involved or not, right? Yeah. 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 Because a lot of those small businesses will be like, well, I'm not paying anyone. No, I yeah. mean, and there are influencers out there who will do it for product. Sure. They'll post for product. Um, you've just you've just got to search around. I guess yeah. then it has to be the right fit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Because exactly. you don't really want any products that yeah. you don't want. And that, and that can work really well. Yeah. For small businesses, yeah. Awesome. All right, we are running out of time, but we always, always have time for the telltale little white lie. Uh, Victoria, have you got a corker that you can share with us? Your best little white lie? Well, um, I'm not going to say it's a lie, but I feel like sometimes I bend the truth um, in terms of my age when talking with um, clients or at networking. So often we'll... <laughs> well, I'm 25 and my business partner's 24. So often we'll be chatting to clients and they'll say... You know, we, there's no point engaging the, you know, 22 to 26-year-olds. They don't have any money and they're too busy, you know, doing other things. You know, we want to engage the mature influencers, you know, the 30-plus. And you can see Tara and I sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we don't want to engage them. And then, like, they don't have any money. <laughs> what a bunch and of plebs. And then often in networking, it's, um, oh, I'd like to introduce you to such and such, you know, he or she is, she's, um, you know, only 26 and just starting out, but, um, you know, I'd love you, love you to meet 
um, such and such. And so, yeah, Tara and I often find ourselves trying to put, before photo shoots and things like that, trying to put on makeup to make us look way older, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll look back on and just... Do the opposite. And do the opposite, <laughs> for ne- but for now, it's it's pretty funny. You'll just be like 30 years old to everyone you know for like 20 yeah. years, from like 20 to 40, like, oh, I'm still like 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I guess it's just a way that we try and look a bit more important. <laughs> I do the same thing, don't worry. People are like, how old are you? And I'm like, old enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I guess... Just because you're old, they're just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no offence to our older listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's old. older than us. Yeah. We want to be like you. <laughs> Victoria Harrison from The Exposure Co. Thank you so much for being on the Telltale Podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. No trouble at all. Brittany, every week, thank you for coming on. And remember, folks, to tell your tale. Cheers. Telltale is part of the Content Division Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or stream it from the contentdivision.com.au forward slash podcast. Then you won't